wicked, wicked fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. This is your summer. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com slash coke to save up to $20 on passes. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. We're moving in a new direction, moving forward, and moving beyond smoking. We are Altria, and our companies are leading the way in moving adult smokers away from cigarettes by taking action to transition millions toward potentially less harmful choices. As we move, from being known as a tobacco company to being recognized as a tobacco harm reduction company. Altria is moving beyond smoking. Find out how at Altria.com. Coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, it's time for The Bill Alexander Show. The Bill Alexander Show is a guest-driven program where the topics are diverse and entertaining. Laugh and learn while you listen to one of the best hours of online radio. Now, here's your host, Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Billy, and you're on The Bill Alexander Show. So glad to have you today. Really looking forward to this program today. The reason is I get to talk to somebody that I grew up watching in the 1970s. Now, when you hear him, he sounds the same as he did in the 1970s. And who am I talking about? I'm talking about Anson Williams, better known as Potsy Weber on Happy Days. Anson, how are you doing today? Well, Billy, I'm doing good. Nice to be on your show. Well, I'm so glad you could join us today because this is a real pleasure for me to be able to talk to you about your career, your days on Happy Days, what you've been doing since Happy Days, and also your music career. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you got casted onto Happy Days, did you ever think the program would have the staying power that it does to this day? Oh, gosh. Uh I was just so thankful to get cast on something <laughs> that I could like pay my mortgage. Right. Um, I knew we had something incredibly special in terms of the creative team behind it with the other actors, and we're still friends. So yeah, we felt that, but you don't really know how it's going to affect the world, you know. Uh, so it took a while to realize just how strong a connection happened is what it what still is to really an, an internet an international audience. So how old were you when you were casted for the part? About the 12. <laughs> I was 23 when I was cast. You were 23 playing what, a 17-year-old? There, 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 there were two pilots. Okay. The first, one I was, the first one I was 22. The second one I was 23. Yeah, playing 17. Actually, I don't know. They, they, people used to ask, how young are you on the show? I said, as young as I can get. Okay. You know? 
the only one that was kind of true true age was Ron, who was eighteen. You know, oh really? I didn't so know I that. Four, I was four years older than Ron. Don, well, Don is maybe three years younger than me. Henry was older than us. Okay. Um, yeah. So it was kind of all over the place. So was how long have you been acting at that time? Oh, let's see. I probably uh, professionally, um, maybe four years. Okay. About four years, yeah. And what were you doing before that? Were you doing uh, stage, um, movies, yeah. TVs, or just whatever came along? Well, I started in theater. You know, I okay. started from the street. I started from the street, absolutely. Just paying, you know, Ec- ec- there's, uh, professional uh, equity, which which is theater, and right. they there's usually two lines. Lines one is equity members, and the other are non-equity members, and they would see me. So I, that's how I started auditioning. And, and when you uh, did that, did um, did you realize that's what you wanted to do? That's why I did it. <laughs> I like, <laughs> well, you know, that's a good point. You know, I was. I was thinking, I was singing in nightclubs. Okay. Nightclubs, they would have, not singing in nightclubs, they would have talent nights. Okay. So you're able to go up there and make a fool out of yourself. So it was before karaoke, you know, it was with a live piano player. And, um, yeah, so I did that, and, that's, and I found my way. And then when I started, I, I got a, a show in Hollywood called Victory Canteen. got a commercial agent, um, started doing commercials. Then I, I and then I was uh, cast. I mean, I got a, a good agent, and 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 I started really playing all the concerned uh, all the concerned boyfriend roles. You know, it was like I oh, call it reactive. I call it reacting acting. You know, where it'd be a big scene, five pages, and I'm listening to everybody, and I maybe have a line or two per scene per page. I mean, right. So it's like I'm just waiting for my line. I understand. No problem. <laughs> Absolutely. You know. And they would always cut to me for reactions, you know. So, um, yeah, so it was a living. So, yeah, so I was, I was basically doing, you know, kind of boyfriend roles, and, you know, before Happy Days. Not really, I actually got cast in uh, Paul Lynn had a series, and I played um, the boyfriend of Pamela Ferdin, Paul Lynn's daughter, for a couple episodes. So that, I that actually, was the first I actually comedy. do remember that because I'm friends with – with uh, with her on Facebook, and she si- shared something probably within the last year, and it was that clip. Oh, really? Yeah, That's sweet. Did I so suck? Kind of interesting. <laughs> Did I suck? Or was I okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't remember that far back, to be honest with you. Thanks a lot. Okay, but, got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, how was it to work with Paul Lynn of all people? Um. Very talented, you know, not the most uh, engaging guy, but, you know, but very talented. Uh, uh, he could be very intimidating, you know, but was nice to me, you know. Okay. Um, and I, I don't remember much, but I actually, but then years later, I, I worked with him on Hollywood Squares. You know, I used to do that show quite often. Right. And, uh, but he's just a funny guy, you know, funny, complex guy. That's interesting. Um, so, when you were casted onto Happy Days, did did they basically do a generic casting session, or did they know what they wanted you to be? 
No, it wasn't generic. No, that was that was a uh, that was uh, you know uh, going in for an audition. Okay. So, and, and I think and there were two pilots. The first one, <clears throat> the year before, they aired it on Love American Style to get to get some of their budget back, but um, it was more of a um, summer forty two like show, softer, a softer show, and, okay. and I was the character I auditioned for was more like Oski. Jerry House's character on Summer mm-hmm. Forty Two, and uh, yeah, so I just and I, and I and I got the part, and then it uh, it didn't uh, you know it didn't sell. Then the next year, uh, Graffiti had come out and Grease on Broadway, and they decided to do another pilot, and they and they changed and they changed the uh, you know they changed the tone of the show quite a bit to fit more like Graffiti, and then and that's the one that sold. So with you being one of the main characters in the program, you you guys were a young group at the time working with very few older people, and you were the ones that were basically holding the program together. Did you feel a lot of pressure? Um, not not really. I mean, we got a script, and then and and it was our uh, you know our job to to do the best we can with what we had to do in the script. Uh, there wasn't really a lot of pressure. It, it was just, the pressure was working all these hours and getting these shows done, because w- when it was picked up, uh, went on the air pretty quickly, so we weren't that far ahead in terms of episodes. Okay. So we were working every day, 17 hours a day. Wow. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a live, it wasn't a live, uh, a live camera I mean, live audience show yet. It was a one camera like movie show, and uh, so it was exhausting. We were just made, just pretty much exhausted, you know, hoping that people would like the show, you know. So, what was the difference between a one camera shoot and a live audience program? Well, one camera, it's like a movie. You do so many pages a day, uh, you know, and 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 it's not spontaneous. It's a piece here, a piece there. A live audience show is like Lucy. It's like a play, and you have three hundred people in an audience, and you do the you do the entire scene at one time, and then you go to the next scene and the next scene. So it's a, it's like a it's like a live play. It's a lot more challenging because you have to memorize an entire script. Okay, uh, but but so much more fun and so much more fun and, ch- and, and, and so much more fun and and satisfying. It's it's great to hear you know real laughs and real people you know connecting to what you're doing. So the one question I have, and I know my audience has too, whatever happened to Richie's brothers, Chuck? Which Chuck? <laughs> His older brother. There were two Chucks. Oh, there, there were two Chucks. Chuck. There were two. Ch- Actually, yeah, two Chucks. Uh, the first Chuck was Gavin O'Hillahy, who was just great. But for some reason, it, it wasn't working out. And then, so they let Gavin go, they brought in another Chuck. Literally, if you look, all of a sudden, it's a different brother the next week. No one, <laughs> I didn't no one notice even, that. Yeah, and Gary said, no one will even know. No one will even know. They did. And you're right. The new brother came in, and, uh, and then they didn't think that worked out. So they went, you know, Actually, there's just no room for that part. We have to get rid of that part. So, you know, so Chuck went on a plane and never came back. 
again, and Gary, and Gary said again, no one will even know. Guess what? No one cared. You're right. So, so was how it. was it working with Gary Marshall? Oh, well, he was like a, a, a second father. I mean, he really cared about us. It's, it's this amazing, creative, very creative, wonderful guy. Um, and yet, and, and he was very, and he cared about us as, as young people. And he really inspired us to learn much more about the business and inspired us to enhance, you know, ourselves with the opportunity of wearing many, many hats. Learn to write, learn to direct. If you really want to stay in this business, you know, you, 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 need, to, you need to have option, options. Okay. And he, he, he created the Paramount lot uh, into a college. So, you know, I ended up directing and writing and all that. But, and he made sure I, I would... I would shadow Roman Polanski doing Chinatown. I'd, I'd shadow oh, wow. John Schlesinger doing Daniel the Locust. I'd shadow Randall Kleiser doing all the Greek uh, musical numbers. So he made it into a school for all of us. And uh, and thank God. And we're still all very productive because of that. Is right. Gary. That, that, again, is amazing to be able to work with the people that you just mentioned. I mean, that would be a dream for most. Yeah, it's beyond master class, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah. when did they decide to let you, Richie, um, or I should say Ron and Don, to sing on the program? Whose idea was that? Well, I'm the one that sang on the program. It was my idea. Okay. You know, uh, back then, um, we didn't get paid uh, like series players today. You know, I mean, uh, you know, someone gets a million dollars today. For half, for half the exposure our show had, and we got like twelve hundred dollars a week an oh, episode, wow. right? So it was, and I, I've always been one to see what I had, not what I don't have. And I, I said, I thought to myself, "There's opportunity here. What is it?" And I sang. I came out of out of nightclubs and out of musical theater, and um, I convinced Gary to to try out a band on the show. Um, you know, and you know, and he, and he liked it, and I was able to, uh, I was able to. They tried out a segment that people liked it, and uh, and he, he liked it, so I was able to start singing on every about every third show, and uh, and he, um, um, he he gave me the opportunity to be in charge of that part of it. I got to sing what I wanted, and I was in charge of my my situation, which was a great. It was nice to have that responsibility. So there I was, you know, making you know twelve hundred dollars an episode, and 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 by by entrepreneur finding an entrepreneurial solution, finding the best of what I had, I got signed by the same record company as David Cassidy, and I did, started doing you know concerts all over the country, state mm-hmm. fairs, music parks. So I was making twelve hundred dollars an episode and seventeen thousand dollars a night singing. Oh wow! And and Gary said. I'm proud of you. You don't bitch. You found opportunity. You don't bitch. You're doing well and you help the show. How good is this? It doesn't get better than this. You know? Yeah, so everyone out there, everyone out there listening, put in your look what you have now, what you don't have. Everyone can complain about what you don't have, but there's us, there's something you do have, no matter what the situation. So spend your time finding what you have and improve on it. And stop bitching about what you don't have. You're going to go nowhere. 
Yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from on that. And that's kind of interesting that you say that because you did have a music career outside of the program. Now, did you like the genre of music that you were singing on the program? Loved it. I loved it. Yes. Again, and, there's a, and there was a lot of different varieties of music we could do. It was great. You know, everything from the Beach Boys to uh, Bobby Rydell to Bobby Darren, you know. Yeah. So I, I blame Happy Days. Um, the reason is I grew up, I was eight years old in 1974, so I watched the series from beginning to end. And you were the you were the program that basically um, cultivated my musical taste. And I'm still an oldies DJ to this day. Oh, that's that's fun. Well, <laughs> so I blame pretty, you. <laughs> it's pretty damn. It's pretty damn evergreen, isn't it? Oh yeah. And and the interesting thing now is, is that there it's running on TV again. Me TV's running it on uh, weeknights. And I guess they're seeing the ratings do very well because the program just keeps going. I think they're on the second time or third time running through the program. Yeah, it's just well, you know, it's it's not. I'm a small part of it, but it's it's a very classic program. It's a part of part of Americana that that it represents, and it's it was always old, so it's always new, right? Yeah. And and I I wouldn't consider you as a small part of the program because you were that one of the guy that a lot of us identified with because we couldn't have ad- identify with the Fonz we weren't identifying with Richie we weren't um, identifying with Ralph because we weren't funny we were identifying with you because you were I don't want to say this to offend you but you were average. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> I was accused one on the show and put out a ballot on that. <laughs> average? I don't think so. Do you want me to call I you a nerd average, then? But I made everyone feel like I was average. Right. There you go. There you go. Because the episode that Joni had the crush on you and mm-hmm. she was writing to you as, uh, was it? Uh, Dren. Dren. Uh, which was nerd backwards, um, was actually showing the audience that, hey, wait a minute, maybe guys like him do have a chance. But only if you're very cute and could sing. Then you've got a chance. (laughs) Well, I can't (laughs) sing, so Don, with that. You're going to fail. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... So when you worked with these, they had multiple spinoffs of the program, and you had Laverne and Shirley, but the one that no one ever thought would take off was Mork and Mindy, and Robin Williams was on Happy Days of all places to spin off of. Well, Mork and Mindy was a hit from day one. Yeah. The, the thing was, no one ever thought there'd ever be a spinoff in life for the... Uh, when Gary Marshall took Scotty Marshall, his son, to um, Star Wars, and when and Scotty was ten at the time, mm-hmm. and when they came out, Scotty asked his dad, "Hey, can you do a a, a, a Martian episode on Happy Days?" Uh, and he goes, and, he, "And Gary's a family guy." He goes, "Oh yeah, we'll figure out something." So on Monday, at this point. Uh, of the uh, of the show, we were in front of a live audience, and the routine 
was on Mondays, you would read the script that's going to be shot the next week, so the writers could like rewrite, and then you would sh- then you would read the script they had already rewritten that you're shooting the current week. And so we went in there, you know, and we read this script. It's going to be a week away called Mork for Mork. It was the worst piece of crap you've ever read in your life. It was unreadable. It was okay. so bad. No, it was. There's, there's bad, 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 bad. And even Henry is the most considerate, wonderful guy in the world. Threw the script down, saying we can't do this. And Gary saying, you know, it'll be fine. We'll work it. We'll rework it. It'll be fine. So okay, all right. So we read the script that we're shooting that week. It's fine. We shoot the script. That week, we come in the next Monday. We read the script for the following week. It's fine. We, we read Mork for Mork, which we're shooting that week. Horrible. It was worse. Unshootable. And they cast some guy to, like, to, to play Mork. And it's just awful. And we're, um, but what, what we have to do it. So we, we rehearse Monday, we rehearse Tuesday, we rehearse Wednesday. Thursday, there's Thursday now. Thursday's just a production day. It's getting all the cameras in line, you know, stop and start, getting marks, getting this, and doing the run through at the end. But basically, rehearsal's over, and we're shooting it Friday. Well, Wednesday night, the guy playing more quits. And, and it wasn't his fault. It just was an awful part. He couldn't do anything with it. He quit. Okay. Gary Marshall comes down to the set. And ask everyone, does anyone know a funny Martian? And Al Monero, Al Monero says, hey, there's this kid in my uh, Harvey Lembeck uh, improv class named Robin Williams. He's pretty funny. And his sister was casting director, um, Gary's sister, and uh, Ronnie Howland. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, I hear he's pretty good. Well, anyway, they, they, they hire him. So the next morning, Thursday, there's never a writer on the set on Thursday. It's all mechanics. And I'm just thinking, I'm going in there, we're going to like, we're going to like do the worst show in history of Happy Days. I get in there, so Don and I got in later because we weren't in the first few, first few scenes. So, um, you know, camera blocking and all that. So we're, we're an hour or so later, we come in, every writer on staff is on the set, writing crazily. We walk in, Gary, uh, Jerry Paris, our um, director, runs over to us. He's a genius. He's a genius. He's a genius. <laughs> and we look, and there's Robin Williams creating more, ad-libbing everything. You know, Nanu, Nanu, on his head, doing everything he's creating out of his brain. And the writers are there just writing everything. To every, and, 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 and we just saw magic happening in front of our eyes. Well, that was, by Friday night, it became one of the best episodes in Happy Days history. So... What was the name of the guy that quit? I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) And no one else does either. I don't remember. Well, if he'd have stayed in, it'd have been up. He didn't create anything. He's doing the lines. Robin Williams came in and reinvented the whole show. That that is that's amazing. Everything. And I don't think I don't think I knew that Robin Williams was not originally casted for that. Because not at all. And actually, how so would we know? Because unless they publicized it, um, so again, 
in in 2022 we would have known about it, but back then, no, we would have no clue. No, no one. And then within 24 hours, he made it into a sensation. And and then and the audience went crazy at the end of the show. The world didn't know him, but at the end of the show, the audience went crazy, crazy. And then Gary Marshall had this idea because he had done a pilot with Pam Dauber, and he took some of that footage and some of this footage, and he sold 13 episodes to Fred Silverman over the phone. Oh, wow. He said, I'm going to call it Mork and Mindy. Well, that's impressive. Rest is history. Yeah. How many episodes did you shoot in one season? Uh, gosh, it's, sometimes I don't really remember. It's only it's like twenty four, sometimes thirty two, sometimes twenty six. I don't, I don't really remember. It changed. Do you think actors today and sitcoms have it easy because they're only doing like twelve to fourteen? Oh, I don't know if they have it. Well, it's easier because they're not having to. to to work as many as, as many months, you know, that's that's definitely easier, and they're getting a tremendous a tremendous amount more money than we were right. than we ever got. So yeah, it is it's easier, um, it's easier. But I don't. But everything has its, everything has its problems, you know. Um, it's harder to stay on the air for years. I mean, we stayed on the air for ten and a half years, you know. Right. So you know, um, how many do that, you know? So, so, are you getting residuals from the original program? A little bit, okay. a little bit, not, not a lot. You know, you, you, people, you, people have this; um, they, they have this mistaking, mistakenly, mistaken idea of, oh, you're getting residuals. Not much. The only way you make money, real money, on sitcoms or anything, you need to own a piece of the syndication. That means when when they sell it to it, when they sell it into syndication. They get they get a percentage of that sale, not just an actor on air. Okay, you know it's pretty minimal. Because I spoke to um, Stanley Livingston a few uh, oh about three months ago, and he was talking about his days on My Three Sons that they got nothing, and yeah. it's a shame because those are still running in in just forever. Um, yeah. Same with Gilligan's yeah. Islands yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. We we were lucky. We got in there and a residual started. Okay. So, but even then, it wasn't great. It was pretty unfair, actually. Because the work you've done, and especially the people that are still making profit on it, you would assume that you would hopefully get something in return because they're making money off you. Yeah, but you just you know you're you're a small you're you're an actor on it. You didn't create it. You, you signed a contract, right? And you abide by it. But like I always said. You, you, but look for the positives. The positives for me were I had a singing career for years, did mm-hmm. very well. It gave me the opportunity to study and educate myself to get behind the camera. And I've been directing since 1985, right? You know, so it gave, it gave me a lot more opportunity than worrying about residuals. You know, um, so- I, I try to use it productively. And Gary Marshall was a big, big uh, motivator for that. So do you feel Happy Days may have ran three or four seasons too long? Um, I don't know. You know, once Ron left uh, on his directing career and Donnie left, once we lost Ron and Don, uh, yeah, I think maybe so. It was, uh, it, it was, 
a lot of the key elements were gone. It's it's pretty hard to reinvent the magic. Yeah. So, you know, so I don't know. As long as people liked it, and they kept it, the ratings slowly went down, and then it was it, then it, it's time to come. But honestly, it's t- which show goes on for ten and a half years? Oh, I it, know. It was just it's it's wonderful. I mean, I think I think that, I think maybe it was a couple of seasons too long. What's interesting is is that one of the terms in Hollywood now is called jumping the shark. And it actually was created because of Happy Days, because mm-hmm. of the episode where Fonzie felt the need that he had a water ski over a shark uh, tank or whatever right. it was. Yeah. Well, that happened because they wanted to do an action thing. At the, and, and Henry, the one thing he could do was water ski. <laughs> so I would have never thought they of wanted that. To, they wanted to shoot him. Do, so Gary goes, he'll jump over a shark, right? <laughs> Which is kind of tongue-in-cheek, funny, fun. So... So we did it. And by the way, jump the shark. You know, it's supposed to be where, they, where that, that you hit the tip tip of your popularity and you're on your way down, right? Right. Except we were on five more years. Yeah. But we weren't quite on our way down, okay? Yeah. We're halfway through. So jump the shark doesn't really relate to our show. However, a very clever man that worked for Howard Stern created it, got the URL, Okay. And created Jump the Shark, a website, right? Years ago, years ago, Reader's Guide, uh, no, TV Guide bought it for $10 million <laughs> from this guy, which shows how stupid we are on the show for not inventing it. Right, you're <laughs> right. Um, that episode actually, and I think, and I'm wondering if it was meant to do this, because um, earlier in the uh, program, when Fonzie jumped the garbage cans, on the TV program, you wanted to see it. Did they have that in mind when they wanted him to jump the shark? What to make to make it into an event kind of thing? To, to, yeah, like that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wonder if there was any connection it. It between the two. Ratings. By the way, it got big ratings. Okay, it got yeah, big well, ratings. I look at it. I think it's hysterical. <laughs> I think it's so much fun. I, I'm like, I'm like, what's wrong with this show? Yeah, it's fun. Crazy, tongue-in-cheek fun. And again, our, our series lasted for five and a half, ten and a half years, okay? Mm-hmm. We, we went five years longer after, we, after supposedly the end of the show. Well, I honestly think people take things too seriously, and they couldn't see it for the humor and the fun that you were having with it. Exactly. It was tongue-in-cheek, yeah. man. You know? yeah. So you've been working um, with Don Most and yourself reuniting for a project that you've recently done called Harvest uh-huh. Time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it was so because you know actually was, you know I've, I've been mostly directing writing for since '85, not really acting. And uh, Don is just a terrific actor. Right? He's my best friend, and. Um, the script came in. It's actually this uh, a uh, one act play, and we thought, you know, and, and, and just backtracking. If if I would do it with him, it would be financed. So I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to see if we take these iconic characters, you know, you know Ralph and Potsy, it's embedded in people's heads, uh, and, and we're together again. But in a whole different genre, a really dark comedy, real life humor, but not, but, you know, just painful and funny and just, just 
an arena no one would expect us in, playing totally different characters, totally different, but still the chemistry, hopefully the same chemistry. And that was Harvest Time. And it was written by just an award-winning Broadway um, author uh, and um, playwright. And, uh, and it was also, and I directed it, which was quite a challenge, uh, being the limitations of, of my, my character. I'm a character that has, um, that's going to die if I don't get uh, a new kidney. And my brother uh, promised me his to save my life. And he comes over one day to tell me that, I'm sorry, but he sold, sold it on eBay. And I'm stuck with other kidney. So now you get this dark comedy, right? It's a, and we're out, but out of it comes a lot of depth and the years together and quite a challenge, um, direct, a directorially huge challenge and uh, acting-wise huge challenge. And But I said, let's see if we can pull this off, playing these different characters and, and let's just see if they get accepted. It'd be a great challenge. So we did it. And it's called well, Harvest when I, Time. When I watched it, I'll be honest with you, I didn't realize you were brothers. I just thought you were really close friends. And the idea of him selling it on eBay, I thought, was just dark in itself. And then the fight going on between you two, especially with your wife, who yeah. he starts to <laughs> basically hit on. Yeah. And supposedly, she may have an interest in him because you're not able to do what you used to do because you're attached to a machine. Right. Uh-huh. But more than more than that, he was like getting even with me. All of a sudden, I I didn't realize I was demeaning and degrading to him as a brother as he was growing oh. up. And he was just getting back. He just wanted attention. He just wanted me to realize what I what I what I've done. He loves me, but I'm not going to accept what you did to me. Right. And and yeah, and we do it through humor, dark humor, and then re, just real awful pain when I break. You know, and, and, and we and there ended was, up being loving brothers at the end. That's what I was um, just going to say. And then you reconciled at the end, but you still yeah. won't watch golf with them. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. I'm in, and I won't. I won't watch golf with them. You know, you know. I'm in the race cars now. Uh, no, he's in the race cars. I'm in the golf. You know, it's Zen. Yeah, it's Zen. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. Anyway, it ended. And honestly, I'm very thrilled. We won all these. Awards and all these festivals. Uh, I mean, it's pretty amazing, you know. The, you know, the appreciation for the for the little film, and that felt good. You know, it felt good. I even won an acting award. I couldn't believe it. I said, "You got to be kidding me, really?" <laughs> so, but uh, but it, it was very satisfying, and uh, and Donnie's phenomenal in it, um, and um, hopefully. Um, you know, once it's done with the festivals, we'll be able to put it on YouTube or something so everyone can see it. So the question I have, and, and I didn't think of it until just now, but if someone approached you and Don and said, hey, we want to do a program with you two. We don't want to really do it as uh, Ralph and Potsy, but we want to have that feeling of you guys in your older life and being roommates or whatever it is, maybe a new version of the odd couple or something, something like that. Would you be willing to do it? Well, actually that would be a reboot of happy days in a different way. Okay. And uh, yeah, that, that would be, yeah, we actually kind of created something that we're in discussion about. Um, but yeah, it, it actually, yeah, it is odd coupling, you know, and, and Cindy Williams and Cindy Williams running the apartment house. But um, it's, uh, 
With everybody doing reboots of TV programs uh, of the 80s and 90s, do you want to see a reboot of Happy Days or a progression of what happened to characters? Well, I, I think it'd be uh, Don and I. I love, Don, I'll work with any time. You're not going to get Henry and Don and, and, and Ron right. and all that. No. It, but if, but if we can take um, uh, if we can take a part of it and 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 build it out to today, you know, with yesterday, um, I think it could be a lot of fun. But it, but it's but it, it can't be like a reboot. I mean, it's okay. like you know, it's, it's, there's uh, many people have passed away, and. Uh, so we have to take remnants of it, the spirit of it, the love for it, and, and, and hopefully get the chemistry of the cast to work again. But today, you know, so right. it's organic. So your singing career, one of the songs that you made popular was because you were trying to pass a anatomy class and you were having a heck of a time remembering the, the way the heart works, and you sang a song called Pump Your Blood. Right. Yep. It was recently I... redone, and it's done for the time of COVID. It was done for kids called I'm Gonna yeah. Wash My Hands. Yeah. That yeah. is one of the cutest songs and videos I think I've ever seen. Oh, I'm so glad. Because Jimmy Dunn, who, Jimmy Dunn wrote uh, Pump Your Blood. And and is and actually has been songwriter of the year with Ann Murray. I mean, he's a huge, huge. He's he's developed into a huge music career. Anyway, I called him and I said, you know, remember Pump Your Blood? He goes, yeah. I said, and, and I was reading all this stuff about kids not doing what they're supposed to do because of COVID. I said, I what do you think about just doing new lyrics to the song? You know, I'm gonna wash. I'm gonna wash. Wash. I'm gonna wash. I'm gonna wash. Wash. I'm gonna wash. I'm gonna wash my hands. Right? Yeah. Don't touch your and make it fun for parents. And he said, "That's a great idea." So we funded it together, and uh, I re-recorded it, and uh, we put it out there to, uh, you know, to maybe inspire kids to do the right thing, wash their hands in a very fun way, help parents out, and it did very well. I think it really helped. I think it really helped a lot of families, classrooms, you know, kindergarten, you know, pre, you know, pre-kindergarten, all that all those kind of classes. And I, I think it helped a lot just inspiring kids to, to just do simple things to protect themselves. Do you like doing that kind of music that, that for kids that would be considered educational? Uh, I know I've never really been into that. I mean, the, the pump your blood was scary as scary as can be because, uh, you know, he had the, uh, it basically in the script, Anthony's going to sing this song. Now, we film on Friday, and I'm waiting for this. I get the I film on Friday night. I get the song Thursday morning to pre-record. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going, how the heck am I going to remember this thing? It's like, oh, my God, right? It was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, it's like the whole anatomy class in two minutes. Right. You know? So I recorded it hard enough to record it. Now I'm supposed to mouth it, right? You know, lip sync it. Yeah. I had cute. I had cue cards all over that stage, everywhere. <laughs> I had cue cards. I had flop sweat coming down, like you couldn't believe. And thank goodness we got through it. It ended up great. 
But no, I mean, I, I never was into that. I did it because, you know, it was part of the show. Really appreciated it. But, uh, but I, it, wasn't, it wasn't what I was you know, into or musically or anything like that. And then years later, it, well, then it took off. After that, it took off. And, and it's, it's in every, you know, anatomy class, in, 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 thousands of classrooms. You play, the, play, play, that, play that clip, you know, yeah. when they're studying anatomy. So um, it, it ended up being something quite something. But that's because of Jimmy. Jimmy wrote a brilliant song. And then I just thought, you know, I think it could work again to help, uh, you know, putting kids' heads, uh, things to do to protect them from a COVID situation. Mm-hmm. So you were also on something, which I call it virtual Hollywood Squares, where they came up with the idea of actually having you guys in your own yeah. home, still being the squares that you would remember seeing on the original program and working right. with contestants virtually. How did that go? It was so much fun. You know, I had done Hollywood Squares originally with Peter Marshall yeah. years ago. And then and then the, I think it's called Hollywood Museum uh, Hollywood Squares or Hollywood Squares, yes. whatever. And it was to help. It's, it's a nonprofit. It's Hollywood Museum on, up on... Highland is just a phenomenal tribute to to the entertainment industry. It's just an amazing place. So we all volunteered to to do to reenact Hollywood Squares during the COVID situation, and but it was all done through Zoom, and just brilliant technical people there made it all look like it was the, like we were all in one room, you know, all in one set. So um, it's called Hollywood Museum Squares. If people go to the HollywoodMuseum.com. They can uh, they can you know read all about it and 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 get it, but it's it's just so many great celebrities and a lot of the same ones that were on Hollywood Squares. The original host Peter Marsh is a host, John Davidson's a host. Um, oh my gosh, uh, I, I, I forgot the names, but everyone ever hosts Hollywood Squares hosts the shows. It's well, just a lot of fun. Just a there's lot, one lot of person fun. that I have actually had the opportunity to talk to just after Christmas. But Bruce Verlange was also a host, and that must have been very yeah. interesting to talk to him. Well, Bruce is well. Bruce he's, he's an icon to the, to the industry. System, right? Incredible, funny writer, funny personality, and uh, just 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 a great host, a great guy, and just so talented. I mean, he just brings such laughter and joy to people. Because I could see him being a host, and and just talking to him when I did. Um, going off script in different directions. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's like, forget about it. He's a modern day. He's he's an older Robin Williams. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You're right. I never thought of that. So. Yeah. But Anson, it has been a pleasure to talk to you today. I really appreciate it. I'm glad you're able to take time to join me today. And um, is there anything you have coming up that's going to be happening within the next year, year and a half? You know, there are there's some like some very exciting things, but I just can't talk about it right now. I will, okay. I'll be back on and give you details once I'm allowed to. For oh, sure. that sounds fantastic. Yes. I'll take you yes. up on that offer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anson, thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it, and you have a great rest of your day. You too. God bless everybody. Please, everyone stay safe.
Thanks so thank much. Thank you. Hey, a big thank you goes out to Anton Williams for joining me today. Had a great time. It was a pleasure to be able to talk to him. One of those things that I never thought I'd have the opportunity to do. And again, Anton, thank you very much. And thank you for listening to this edition of The Bill Alexander Show. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to The Bill Alexander Show. The Bill Alexander Show is a million-dollar baby production. For more information, go to thebillalexandershow.com. What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there. Sharing plates with... Just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com.